You're listening to the Niners Bros, your home for post-game analysis, correcting media narratives, and keeping you up to date on all things San Francisco 49ers. What's up, guys? I'm Michael Ditchfield. And I'm David Ditchfield, and we are the Niners Bros. We're a little late getting this podcast to you because we're joining you from southwest Florida. If that rings a bell, it's because we've been in the news. Hurricane Ian has hit uh, just about an hour south of where we are, and we're fortunate we're safe, no catastrophic damage to our homes or anything like that, but about an hour south of us, really, really bad, a lot of flooding, uh, loss of power and internet. So if you can, go to the Red Cross, donate. I was down there yesterday, and, and these people, they need food, they need gas, water. It's a, it's a bad situation. So uh, as I said, a little late in getting this up, but we do want to break down the 49ers 10-11 to punt fest loss to Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos last Sunday night in Jimmy Garoppolo's first start of the season. So the 49ers fall to 1-2, and two, and we're going to get into a lot of the storylines coming in. And the first one was Denver came into this game as one that a lot of people had circled on the calendar as a really tough matchup. But in the week leading up to it, this was feeling like a very winnable game for the 49ers. Yeah, the Broncos have been struggling uh, to find that rhythm, find that identity in the first two games. And Russell Wilson has not seemed to be comfortable in this new offense yet. So as we know, Russell Wilson has been kryptonite for us over the years. But that being said, with the general team struggles, you definitely felt like this could be a keep the momentum going kind of a game after they defeated the Seahawks handily 27 to 7 last week. Sure and the Broncos were in the news for something sort of embarrassing where Nathaniel Hackett their new head coach who's been under a lot of scrutiny for some poor clock management and bad decision making he hired someone to help with in-game decision making. Yeah that's a unique one Uh, not sure I can remember another case like that before Uh, what is the head coach's job if not to make those tough in-game decisions? Your offensive coordinators, your defensive coordinators, those are the guys helping you scheme and game plan throughout the week. Those are the guys that are, you know, helping out. You got your position coaches coaching up those individual units. But when it's game time, the head coach is the one making those decisions. Very odd. Um, Certainly, I think, like you said, a little bit embarrassing that that even got out. Not sure how that got out, or presumably that has to be a leak, right? You would think. It's interesting. My theory on this was that John Elway has been watching the Manning cast on ESPN where (laughs) Peyton spends the whole time going, timeout, timeout. Why aren't they calling a timeout? Uh, Too many GMs watching the Manning cast thinking, how do my coaches not know when to call a timeout? But certainly, as you said, not a lot of momentum for Denver coming into this game. And 49ers on the other end of the spectrum, a ton of momentum. Certainly sad to see Trey Lance with a devastating injury the week prior. But Jimmy Garoppolo anointed as this sort of bandwagon king. Let's all jump on the bandwagon and, and Vegas and everyone suddenly saying that the 49ers, after losing their starting quarterback in Trey Lance, suddenly had improved odds to go on and win the Super Bowl. Certainly a, a drubbing of Seattle. And, and there was a lot of narratives that this was going to be a win for the 49ers and everything was just going to be great with Jimmy Garoppolo. And one of the things that the media is always going to love to talk about is the quarterback situation in San Francisco. No matter who it is, whether it's Lance, whether it's Garoppolo, or whether it's somebody else entirely, the national news media is just fixated on the quarterback position of the 49ers. It's interesting, you know, coming into this game and into this season, Garoppolo obviously had that late offseason surgery, which really made the trade market evaporate for him. But he went from being this guy that 
according to the media, there's not a single team interested in him. Sure. Nobody wants this guy. He's done. He's an injury risk, whatever. To now coming into this week, everyone is saying, oh, well, the 49ers are so much better now that Garoppolo's the starter. It's like, okay, well, I guess if you want to have it both ways, that's your prerogative as the national media. But now after this loss, they're trying to jump ship again and jump <laughs> off the bandwagon saying, oh, well, that's of course why you draft a guy like Trey Lance because, you know, Garoppolo's just not the guy. So, you know. Yeah, just crazy. But as you said, the national media trying to to be first on that or to go along with that narrative, seven out of the eight Sunday night football analysts before the game picked the 49ers to win the game. The only one who didn't was the talented Mr. Roto, Matthew Barry. Yeah, he, shout out to all the fantasy peeps. Yeah, yeah, we, we love Matthew Barry. But, you know, we definitely, when you see seven of eight analysts pick your team, I know it sounds crazy, but it's actually not a good feeling. You feel like it's too suspicious, uh, like it's too good to be true. And certainly we were talking about that earlier in the day, the Chiefs and the Bills, uh, there were, you know, Saints, there there were teams that had lost to inferior opponents, um, especially on the road. And this became sort of a trap game where originally the 49ers had no expectation of going in and beating Denver and Russell Wilson, but you started to feel like this might be a trap game. Everyone's piling on Denver. We've got all this momentum, but it is on the road. The Denver Broncos have a fantastic defense. So we're going to get into the game flow, but we're not going to go as much drive by drive as we usually do, frankly, because this game was, was just miserable to watch. It really was. Even as a fan, you know, it's, <laughs> I think uh, NBA superstar John Morant actually summed up this game as nicely as anyone and he only needed three words to do it uh he tweeted eloquently and very simply this game poo <laughs> yeah yeah that uh that that pretty much sums it up but uh yeah I think so pat mcafee maybe was probably having the time of his life watching this game but just about anybody else this was really rough to watch sometimes you have these defensive struggle games and it's really exciting it's really intense you see these defensive uh, players making spectacular plays, and this really wasn't that. I think both defenses obviously played phenomenally well, but there weren't yeah. a ton of splash plays or, or you it know, memorable like a, plays. It looked like a preseason game in it terms really did. Of, of execution. Like neither team was even trying to score, or, or you know whether it was too vanilla or just the execution being so horrible. But we won't torture you by going drive by drive because it's just a lot of things that end in punt but some notable things uh, former 49er dj jones did get an early bat down on a jimmy garoppolo pass up the middle who who knew that jimmy garoppolo would try to throw a pass over the middle of the field maybe and who deep. could have seen that coming you know it's interesting i don't i haven't heard anybody else talk about this but jimmy does to me seem to have a little bit of a tell right before he throws he doesn't do this every time but a lot what he'll do right before he throws is he'll tap the ball with his left hand right before he releases fortunately he has a lightning fast release and so it doesn't really affect him too much but I think certainly with those balls getting tipped at the line that you see with increasing frequency I don't know if opposing teams are kind of locking into that or not but he it's definitely something that he does a lot um, I'm going to be watching for that the rest of the year as well Sure. Some other interesting things from early on. We noticed that Demo, Diamador Lenore, was starting at nickel cornerback, and Samuel Womack had two interceptions in preseason, seemed to play so well. So we weren't sure when that first happened, you know, was Womack injured or was he benched? Was he late to a team meeting? Why, why is he not playing? Yeah, sometimes, you know, when you have those special teamer contributor guys that get hurt, sometimes they don't even announce it during the game, or if they do, it's a quarter later. 
uh, really just depends. So yeah, wasn't sure what was happening there, but uh, he did definitely make a splash play a little later on in the game. He did, and we'll talk about that. San Francisco was the first to score in this game. They had a nice six-play, 75-yard drive. A nice run from Jeff Wilson, 38 yards, the longest of his career. Um, looked pretty good on that, and then they get down uh, inside the 10. And then they had a touchdown to Ayuk on something that the announcer said should have been pass interference. I know, as we discussed, that it's like it it really didn't matter. You know, the the Broncos were not in a good position. If Debo had just stood still, it still would have been a touchdown to Ayuk. They were playing way off, and it was just sort of an automatic touchdown. But always nice to see the Niners get away with a penalty for once, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. After that, it was pretty much just gross offensive football. uh, Five punts for each team, and it started to feel a little bit like the Bears game in that, you know, the 49ers defense was was really shutting down Russell Wilson and the Broncos, not getting anything done, but the 49ers were not capitalizing on offense. Jimmy had a play where Debo came wide open. It should have been a walk-in, you know, deep, deep touchdown and, and came off of it too soon. Happy feet in the pocket, got rid of it and just sloppy execution all the way through. And there was another play on a, a second and nine where Jimmy actually did take his lone deep shot of the game to Ayuk, and it was a perfect pocket. He had all the protection he needed, but he looked so uncomfortable on that throw. Jimmy obviously is known for throwing off of his back foot, but most of those throws are those short to intermediate over the middle type of throws where he's able to generate enough torque to get the ball where it needs to go. But he was just leaning back so far. He looked super uncomfortable just gearing up for that throw and then just missed Ayuk badly on that one. Sure. Some highlights, I guess, <laughs> if you can call <laughs> yeah. them, if you can call them highlights. Uh, Ufunga played well again in the first half, had a, a nice tackle for loss. Uh, Drake Jackson got his first sack and the 49ers did have the best punt ever <laughs> from Wisnowski. Yeah, so we've talked about Mitch Wisnowski a lot uh, on this podcast in the Too first much. three weeks. Yeah, that's probably not a good sign, right? <laughs> if we're talking about the punter that much um, so far through the first three weeks. So he was actually named the NFC Special Teams Player of the Month And then coming into this week, I think this was his best performance yet. Um, That punt that you were referencing has to be the greatest punt I've ever seen in my entire life. Sure. So the ball lands flat. I'm sure you guys saw the replay, but but basically the ball lands flat a 16th of an inch in front of the goal line. The nose of the football actually was breaking the plane. So if that had been a running back, extending the ball it would have been a touchdown but the football itself the shape of the ball helped him out there and it literally was not touching the line and that's where Womack came in the ball jumps almost straight up which is amazing and Womack gets right up to the line tiptoes right there jumps into the end zone throws it back into the field of play which you know how many times does that work like less than half the time for sure So he comes back in, makes a spectacular play to keep it out of the end zone. The long snapper is all the way down the field, sort of corralling that ball as it comes back in. And then Dwelly, of course, is the one who downs it at the one-yard line. Just a spectacular play. All hands on deck uh, for that one. Now, there was a safety in this game, but unfortunately, it did not happen in the ensuing sequence. You might have thought that it would have, but instead, Russell Wilson... Um, and the and the Broncos put on a drive. I know you were pretty frustrated by how that came about. Yeah, so after Wisnowski makes the punt of his life, basically, you know, you have uh, 
Russell Wilson hands the ball off. The Niners miss some tackles. They run it out almost to the 10-yard line. And then on one of the next two plays, at the bottom of the screen, before the ball is snapped, Emmanuel Mosley is lining up like he's in press man coverage. And then before the ball is snapped, he, for some reason, just does that backpedal thing where he was playing off. Russell Wilson saw that, and as a fan, you see that too, and you're thinking, well, gee, I wonder where Russ is going to go with this one. And sure enough, he throws it down there, um, just not even a contested catch at all. Couldn't be an easier first down. Uh, From there, the Broncos do drive down the field. That was actually uh, the drive where Russ had that magical, unbelievable Houdini. Yeah, just one of those Russ Wilson plays that he seems to come up with anytime he plays the 49ers, where he avoided pressure and basically in the end made a basketball style chest pass. Yeah, he was contacted by four different 49ers defenders on that play. He broke a tackle, I want to say from Givens. Uh, and he was hit by by three different people after that and still managed before his knee hit the ground to shovel the ball forward. Yeah, just amazing. And, you know, we've seen him do that so many times. It just makes you want to throw up, honestly. Um, adding injury to insult there, uh, Alshair hurt his knee on that play as well. Uh, later in the drive, fortunately, the Niners defense came up big. That was where Hufanga had that uh, massive six-yard tackle for loss. Uh, Cortland Sutton helped us out a little bit there with a drop and then um, that drive ended but of course again uh, Corliss Waitman the punter for the Broncos doing his best Wisnowski impression uh, pins us at the two yard line and it was just one of those games it seemed like both teams were starting inside their own 10 on every drive sure and so you go to halftime up seven to three and again it feels like the Bears game maybe not quite as many of this foolish penalties but you know Burford had his first kind of bad game of the year he had two penalties in the first half McGlinchey had a holding penalty and it feels like we should be we should be ahead by more than than four points at this point and you're getting those Bears game vibes the second half starts and there's really not much worth mentioning in the second half it was just a punt fest Um, Bosa did get away with um, intentionally tripping Russell Wilson getting (laughs) credit for the sack but on this podcast we think that Bosa is entitled to a few makeup calls yeah, Bosa cannot get a holding call. He ironically did get one in this game when he got absolutely clotheslined. I was losing my mind because I have a real chip on my shoulder about this, more so than probably Bosa does himself. This guy just cannot get a holding call, and he's held on pretty much every single down. Oh, sure. Yeah, but uh, but other than that, really not a lot of good for the 49ers. You had a sequence where Jimmy Garoppolo fumbles the snap from Jake Brendel and everyone's trying to speculate as to whose fault it was. We found out after the game, Shanahan was um, pretty forthcoming. He said it was Brendel's fault. He said that everyone went on one, including Jimmy Garoppolo, and Brendel didn't snap it until two. Uh, so the 49ers... And that's Brendel's uh, second bad snap last week, of course. He he snapped one right off his own tuchus. So... Yeah, yeah, not not his finest. And then the next time the 49ers get the ball, they have that disaster safety, which Oof. which Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, it's it's hard to even imagine how that could happen. But Dan Orlovsky, of course, was <laughs> was so so relieved. I think he even tweeted out the Mel Gibson the he freedom. Did. Yeah, happiest man alive. But you know, you can you can cool your jets a little bit there, Dan. Uh, while Jimmy's play obviously was terrible and he's going to live with that the rest of his career. Uh, Dan Orlovsky was like (laughs) two yards out of the end zone, just sprint right. Like he's just running and Jared Allen was pursuing him just 
hands up in the air, like looking around, like you guys are seeing this, right? Like, like that, that's a safety. Yeah. And for the 49ers as horrible as it was, sort of worse, could have been worse. Jimmy Garoppolo did actually throw that ball. He didn't hand it to the officials. He threw it and it was picked off by Bradley Chubb and returned for a touchdown. Fortunately, he stepped out of the back of the end zone before doing that, but it could have been a easily a pick six. Pick six. Unfortunately though, I know I keep saying unfortunately, but it gets worse. Trent Williams gets hurt on that play. Yeah, Someone what a what a ankle. special play in 49ers history that was. Wow. Yeah, and in comes Jalen Moore for the subsequent drives, and it's time for a segment on this show that we call Who is the Worst Player on the 49ers and Why is it Jalen Moore? Yeah, boy, you want to talk about a turnstile. Um, <laughs> Jalen Moore comes in, and when they announced that, you and I were just looking at each other just mind-blown, flabbergasted. How is that? Yeah. How is that your best option? And sure enough, on the first drive, he basically has one where he gets beat on an inside move, doesn't even lay a finger on the edge rusher. And then on one of the very next plays, as the left tackle, just a complete missed assignment where he's backpedaling, looking at an open chunk of green grass, blocking nobody. He's not looking around. He's looking dead ahead and just letting a free rusher come. It's like, what? What is he doing out there? These are professional athletes, and I have to remind myself that the worst players on your favorite team own every record in high school in their hometown and things like that. But if you had told me that he had fallen asleep on the sidelines right before being woken up and told, go in the game, go in the game, that's about the level of performance I would have expected. Just awful, awful play from from Jalen Moore. And the 49ers really just don't do anything for the rest of the game. They did have one sort of field goal that they scored. But even that, this is sort of something that people don't realize, even that was a three and out. They had such excellent field position that it was a three and out. So the average NFL team gets around like 10.2, 10.4, depending on the season, drives per game. The 49ers had 14 drives. They got the ball 14 different times. They got into scoring position once so yeah they and there were two explosive plays on that drive really huge chunk plays going back to Jalen Moore just briefly uh he was of course benched almost immediately after those two plays which is fair and you know you understand having the depth and wanting to have those versatile guys but when you think about it how many how many great swing tackles are there in the NFL Zero is the answer, and the reason for that is because if you are good enough to play tackle at either spot, typically you are going to be starting. You're going to be playing right tackle or left tackle if that's the case. So obviously, again, you have to prepare for injuries. You have to have depth, but he is not serviceable at either tackle position. I know in the past we've actually seen – when they've brought him in, they they brought him in at right tackle and they actually flipped McGlinchey over to left tackle, which, you know, obviously is not the the best move either because McGlinchey does struggle in pass protection sometimes. He's an elite run blocker, of course, but has struggled in, in pass pro. So when you see Jalen Moore come in at left tackle, you're just shaking your head. You're knowing that's a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, I don't think you're asking a swing tackle to come into a game against Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory and shut them down completely and not allow any pressures. But I think making contact with the defender in front of you is a pretty low bar. That's fair, and right? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't 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 stop him from getting a sack. Just just make contact with him, and even that seemed to be too difficult for him. So we're not picking on the guy. We wish him the best, but stunning that he was even given that opportunity and very likely he will not be given that opportunity anytime soon. 
but just gross offense from the 49ers from there. I know you've got some of the, the stats, and it wasn't even like penalties. You know, they had seven for 40. Denver had five for 30. There wasn't some bizarre advantage there. They just didn't really get much going Yeah, and I think you mentioned uh, the 49ers were one for 10 on third down, which is just abysmal. Uh, you know, they, they got some first downs here and there, but never really drove the ball outside of that one scoring drive. Uh, some interesting notes. Debo did carry the ball five times again, but only for six yards. So hats off to Denver's defense for containing Debo. They're the first team that's been able to do that. Debo did nothing on the ground. Jeff Wilson actually did have a pretty nice game. Uh, 12 totes for 75 yards. That's a 6.3 yards per carry. That's great. If he can do that every week, you know, we'll be in good shape. Obviously, you'd like to see him rush it more than 12 times. Sure. But the 49ers, you know, at one point in the game, their average down and distance on third down was like 8.9 yards or something like that. If you're averaging nine yards to go on third down, it's going to be a long, long evening. And it certainly was. One of the things that I found really frustrating was this was George Kittle's first game back, right? Oh, sure. And where was George Kittle? He had four catches for 28 yards. This is an elite, elite receiving weapon. Uh, You know, basically it's is it Kelsey or is it Kittle as the best receiving tight ends? And it seems like all they want to do is have him block. So if you're running the ball down their throats, you're dominating in time of possession, then sure, have Kittle keep blocking. You know, if the running is working, that's great. But it wasn't working. We were not moving the ball. And, you know, where where was Kittle? I don't, I'm assuming he's not completely back to full strength, but even a banged up Kittle is a better option there was just no creativity, nothing doing, just the same thing over and over and over again, running up the middle. You didn't see a lot of outside zone again, Sure. which, you know, Jeff Wilson isn't the fastest guy on our team, but still give your give yourself a chance, you know, get the defense spread out a little bit, running side to side, you know, give them something different to look at. We didn't see any, you know, not a lot of screens, not a lot of reverses really no trickery in a game where you really would like to win that game. Obviously it's close. You were there the whole time, but just so vanilla yeah, stale. And there were some, you know, a lot of criticism of Kyle Shanahan and his play calling. There were some shot plays that were there to be had where you had Debo or there was another play with Ayuk running up the seam wide open and Jimmy just gets rid of the ball too quick. Now, whether that's because he didn't have a lot of confidence in his offensive line, especially after Trent Williams went out, or if it's just that Jimmy, you know, doing his Zoolander thing, the one look, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy looks over the middle, you know, the one conversion that they did have to Jennings was outside the numbers and I I was flabbergasted that he would throw to the outside. <laughs> Boy, that was a terrifying throw, right? Like, you, Jimmy does doing? not make that throw. That was probably his best throw of the night, just a dart to Jennings just outside of the reach of the defender. Brilliant throw there, super risky though, not one that you really want to see Jimmy even attempting. Yeah, but just they they just look out of sync the entire game. It, it was the opposite of how Jimmy looked last week when he came in and the offense was just firing on all cylinders they just looked completely out of sync the whole game and the the turnovers you know three to zero you know didn't didn't force any turnovers Um, and two of the 49ers three turnovers occurred in their final two drives that's that's going to be pretty hard when you're trying to lost the time of possession battle Niners had it for 25 minutes Broncos had it for 34 that's obviously not the 49ers formula either but like you said you lose the time of possession battle you lose the turnover battle it's stunning that Denver was able to somehow win this yeah, game. They, not for lack of trying. They tried to give this game to the 49ers, you know, 10 different ways, 
but the 49ers just would not take it. And yeah. even Denver's fans were booing this whole game sure. because the level of play from Russell Wilson and their offense was not acceptable. Fortunately for them, somehow they still came out with a win. The Broncos averaged 3.7 yards per play. That is terrible. Sure. How do you win a game when you have nine three and outs, you average 3.7 yards per play, Russell Wilson throws for 184 yards, no touchdowns. How the heck do you win that game? It's brutal, too. I know Jimmy was talking after in the press conference about not having a full training camp in preseason and clicking with the guys. Mentioned and arm fatigue. Arm fatigue. That getting... was funny. That was the whole Trey Lance story, right? <laughs> in yeah. preseason that Trey Lance was having arm fatigue. But as bad as the offense had been, in the previous 12 drives, they still had two shots with the ball where all they needed was a field goal. You'd have to think the law of averages is going to catch up at some point and they're going to score. They had two shots with the ball within four minutes. You know, the Broncos had a long touchdown drive to take the lead. It was, it was over 10 minutes on the clock when they started 49ers got it with uh, just over four minutes. So it's a six, six minute touchdown drive for the Broncos, but the 49ers still got the ball back twice with the opportunity that all they needed was a field goal. And, and both ended in turnovers. A really bad forced throw over the middle. Shocker from Jimmy. Yeah, that was, that was awful. And then, you know, Jeff Wilson, obviously, with the fumble. That was another one where, you know, on that throw, terrible throw from Jimmy. <laughs> he, he avoided pressure to get the throw off. But that's one where I wouldn't have even necessarily expected Wilson to catch that ball. So, yeah, obviously, the fumble at the end of that play is terrible. But... Kudos to Jeff Wilson for even making that play. That was a really tough ball to grab, and, and he he caught it. So bottom line, 49ers lose. They go to one and two. The balloon has been popped. Uh, <laughs> and now you've got to get ready to face a Rams team that's going to be anxious to, to sort of right the ship as well. And, yeah, the Rams, certainly the 49ers recently have dominated the Rams the way that the Seahawks have dominated us over the last few years. And that was in the Jimmy Garoppolo era, of course. So there's been definitely a lot of back and forth between these two teams. Uh, it seems like, you know, not quite at that level where you've got the the famous Seahawks 49ers rivalry, but, you know, that those famous quotes where Aaron Donald is saying who when he's asked about like Debo Samuel. Yeah. Debo Samuel, you know, replying that they don't like the, each other. So definitely, I wouldn't say it rises to the level of bad blood, but certainly a very, very heavy competition here, uh, division rivals, and uh, certainly the Rams are, are wanting to put their best foot forward, make sure that they uh, take care of business against us. And some storylines for us coming out of the Denver game, you know, more injuries, more injuries, devastating to lose Trent Williams. It sounds like Colton McKivitz is going to be getting a shot at that job, and then you know, other injuries you mentioned, Al Shair, Ty Davis Price is still out. Tyler Croft is still out. Uh, Gray, Danny Gray has some sort of hip yeah, issue. Yeah, basically, would it be faster to just say who's not hurt at this point? Yeah. The 49ers awesome. are going to struggle to even put together an active 46, let alone the 53. I mean, it's going to be half their practice squad yeah. up, up there active on game day. You know, we talked about how snake bitten the 49ers have been. And once again, every week, the, the hits just keep coming. It's stunning. This team cannot seem to stay healthy. Yeah, Eric Armstead with plantar fasciitis and Kinlaw with some swelling in that knee that was surgically repaired that's supposed to be better. Even with all of that said, the Rams have their own injury issues too. They've lost sort of both 
starting guards if you consider that one of their starting guards is having to move over to play center and their offense has not been much better than the 49ers but certainly it hurts that that more and more injuries have piled up also there's going to be drama or has been drama already throughout this week one of the most boring and idiotic storylines that everyone's obsessing over is jimmy garoppolo and what did he say or not say the camera (laughs) appeared to catch him the lip reading yeah saying some derogatory things about kyle shanahan's play calling uh it's hard to know exactly but the the guess from everyone is that what he's saying is you know these play these plays suck man or yeah and you know what jimmy's a competitor and that was a moment of frustration after the game and these are these are grown-ups these are adults this really feels like high school or even junior high school and it was funny actually uh the 49ers lead beat writer Matt Mayoko who is you know he's he's great uh but you know if there's an award like most likely to not ever offend anyone ever under any circumstances (laughs) he's probably won that like 10 years in a row sure and he was the one that actually asked Kyle Shanahan about that in the in the presser. And then he later tweeted that, uh, you know, he said, well, somebody was going to ask it. And, you know, I just thought, you know, why not me? And then he said, of course, you know, as soon as he said it, he felt dirty. And yeah, <laughs> that was his moment, I guess, you know. This whole thing feels so pointless to everyone's trying to decide, you know, a week after they were agreeing that the 49ers players really wanted Jimmy all along and so did Shanahan and Lance isn't ready and this is going to be wonderful and now this week the entire conversation has been about how Garoppolo and Shanahan secretly hate each other and now we know how much tension there is in the building and and they can't work together they can't get along and it's it's extremely tedious yeah if they've gotten through this offseason the way they have whatever happens in the regular season is not going to be worse or weirder than that the media, of course, is going to blow it up, whatever it is. They're going to create stories where there are no issues. Um, you're going to have your Steve Youngs chiming in. Um, you know, Steve Young is one of my all-time favorite players. Just loved watching him play. Sure. Um, you know, the Montana era was just a tiny bit before my time, but boy, was I in the thick of it with Steve Young. Phenomenal player. Doesn't seem like he does a ton of homework on the uh, <laughs> research and, and analysis side. He, he comes out with a lot of... Uh, interesting takes it sounds off the cuff for sure quite a bit yeah but we're not buying into all the drama with jimmy garoppolo i'm sure he was frustrated i'm sure it was embarrassing for him laying an egg on sunday night football i'm sure he wished that he had been more prepared whether it was being included in team activities in the offseason getting a playbook maybe. yeah i mean shanahan always his offenses always get off to slow starts at the beginning of the year how much more can you expect someone to get off to a slow start when they haven't been practicing with the guys I'm not as sympathetic to Garoppolo in that sense because I think that the playbook is irrelevant. Basically, from the moment he gets the ball in his hands after the snap, he's looking for who over the middle is most open. But a little bit, I feel like a lot of this is just a distraction. And a lot of people taking issue, too, with they love how Trey Lance, he's such a nice kid, and after the Bears game, he lists the five plays that he should have done better, and he says, I've got to play better. And and Jimmy, Jimmy uses more we language, you know, we didn't execute, and some people bothered by that. I don't think it's dodging accountability. I think it's just not dwelling on the negative. Yeah, and he's a leader. Um, he's he's won the confidence. He's earned the confidence of his teammates. Everybody in that locker room loves him. So whether you love him or hate him, you know, everybody has an opinion on Garoppolo. And it seems like there's almost nobody that is actually kind of taking a logical sort of down the middle approach. There are, you know, the Garoppolo stands that basically point to his yards per attempt or, you know, his wins losses or, you know, quarterback rating or whatever it might be. 
pointing to specific stats that indicate an elite quarterback, and they make an argument that he's he's elite. He's one of those guys. He's elite. Um, it doesn't appear that he is by by any real you know true metrics. Um, he's he's not an elite quarterback. Um, and then on the other end, you've got these guys that say he's nothing more than a backup quarterback. He's terrible. You know, he should just be backing up somebody. The guy, all he does is win football games. And, you know, it's not that he's putting the team on his back every week, but he is doing enough to help his team win. He mo- he moves the ball well. The The stats don't always show in terms of, like, total yardage or touchdowns or things like that. But he's good at orchestrating the offense and getting the offense in scoring position, except in this game. You know, he, he laid an egg. Yeah, and, you know, keep in mind, of course, that Jimmy has been winning all of these games against the NFC West when the NFC West was truly the premier division in football. You know, I don't know that you can say that right now with the Seahawks sort of in a kind of an unknown rebuilding kind of a phase with Russell Wilson gone. The Niners and the Cardinals both seem to be question marks right now. The Rams off to a bit of a slow start, but certainly, you know, the defending champs and a powerhouse team, the pressure is on the 49ers to win this game this week. This is a big game. If you drop to one and three, it's going to be really tough. Um, So the pressure is on the Niners, Jimmy Garoppolo to find a way to get the ball moving, get some points on the board and the 49ers have to find a way to finish games. They are just not putting teams away. Yep. Good teams get the lead, and they put it away. They finish the game, and the 49ers have not demonstrated that they can do that right now. We will see what happens on Monday night. In the meantime, don't panic. Remember that if the 49ers win this week, they have games coming up against Carolina and Atlanta. There's no reason to suggest that they couldn't be 4-2 and two and sitting in or tied for first place in a few weeks from now. But the offense has got to wake up. In the meantime, hopefully some good juju with Bobby Turner, running yeah. backs coach, returning to the facility. And hopefully that'll give the 49ers a bit of a morale boost as they look to come into this game. So, Boy, what a time for him to come back, too, with a, a super banged-up running back room. So great to have his presence back in there. Just a legend in the locker room and around the league as well. So super happy to hear that news. Indeed, that's going to do it for us. We are the Niners Bros. We'll see you next week.